Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Blumen Abner, Bob Hope, and our in-person guest, Jim Jordan, as we continue our salute to Fibber McGee and Molly. Last week, we had as our guest on the Golden Days of Radio, Jim Jordan, Fibber McGee, and he's joined us again this week so we can listen to some more of the great Fibber McGee and Molly bits that were on radio for more than 25 years. Jim, welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be anywhere. <laughs> no, that isn't true now. I think you could go on the radio with Fibber McGee and Molly and, and be as successful as, uh, as you were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. What, why was that the most popular program? Because there were great stars on radio. There was Hope and, and uh, Red Skelton and Abbott Costello. Right. And, I, I just don't know. It, it was just uh, all we did was do it. It evolved, you know. It didn't happen all at once. We had, we had excellent training on, on radio. In, uh -huh. in the, in the, we, we were in radio in the beginning, way back in... 1925 or 26, whichever it was. Do you think that the fact that you had a chance to try everything out before you became so popular... That's uh, right. ...and perfected what you were doing, then, uh, then that changed... And back it. in the early days, we didn't have the pressure on us to be good. You could try anything, and if it didn't work, why, well, you'd try something else tomorrow or uh -huh. the next day. But uh, later on, when the, when the pressure built up and people coming into radio from the theater and from pictures ten years later... There was a lot of pressure on them, and it made it a lot more difficult. Sure, I would imagine it did. By that time, we were set, you know. I mean, it didn't... We, we, we had mentioned that Johnson's Wax uh, was your uh, sponsor for all the time you were on radio. Did they ever send you free wax? No, I, I don't believe so. I just, I've always wanted to I bought to a couple of cans. <laughs> <laughs> you did, huh? I still have one. <laughs> that you bought just to keep the program on? Yes, I have an old-fashioned... Uh, Paste wax can. That's uh -huh. about half full of wax. It has a dirty old rag in it. I've had it all these years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I kind of thought maybe they'd they'd send you one, but I uh, at least you you bought a can, and I'm sure that helped uh, keep you on the air. I've got a, a clip here that also was I think a very funny uh, portion of the Fibber McGee and Molly show. Denny, would you play that now, please? What were your plans for today, dearie? Oh, I don't know. Thought I might drop in at the Elks. Then go past the cigar store for a minute and see who the guys have elected the next president. <laughs> Maybe stop at the bank on my way home. At the bank? Blood bank or First National? Hmm. Blood bank? Who's got any money? <laughs> well, I was just thinking that... Come in. Oh, good morning, mailman. Morning. Is your spouse in the house? <laughs> <laughs> if you mean is my guy standing by, yes, he is. McGee, the mailman, wants to see you. What, what's on your mind? And haven't we met before someplace? Sonny. What? I said, Sonny, I used to meet you frequently when I was drinking sodas at Grayman's Drugstore. Remember? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. And here's a special delivery for you. Oh, much obliged. I'll see you again. Hey, wait a minute. You'll have to sign for it. What? 
Now, what's the matter? Don't I articulate the stink? <laughs> I says yous will have to sign for... <laughs> he means Weasel have to sign for it, Molly. No, not Weasel, just Usel. <laughs> okay, just Measle. Where do I sign for it, bud? <laughs> bomb line. Which line? Bomb, bomb. <laughs> Look, B O T T O M, bomb. Oh, well, there you are, bud. Thanks. It's okay. All the days work. That's Benny Rubin. Yeah, was that Benny Rubin? That's Benny Rubin. <laughs> Those are the kind of things you did every week, and you don't yes. know why the show was successful. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny bit. Oh, that's that's a very funny bit. Benny was a great performer, and he was a quite a star in his own right. You know, in vaudeville before, long before radio. Mm -hmm. Well, you had some other people. You had Ransom Sherman on the yes, show, yes, we had Ransom. And, uh, the great Gildersleeve got his start on the Fib McGee and Molly right. show. Hal Perry. Hal Perry was the great Gildersleeve. You know, one thing I always enjoyed about the program was the fact that Marion, your wife, had so much fun. She'd laugh at everything. Yeah, that's right. She'd break up. She was, she was better than the audience sometimes. Right. And she would really, truly break up. But she was really having a, a grand time. Oh, she would, really. Oh, you bet. And it couldn't have been done that way if it hadn't have been you know, real. <laughs> come out that way. Well, it was a live show. You did a live right. every uh, every week. They didn't have tape. They didn't have recordings or anything in those days. No. If you uh, if you didn't rehearse, you made the mistake, and uh, millions of people heard it. It was done. <laughs> it was finished. No doing it over. As Bob Hope once said, the nicest thing about early radio was the fact you did the show, and on the way out of the studio, you got your check and threw the script in the ash can, and you were on your way. You didn't have to worry about it. Did, uh, is that your real voice, and was it Marion's real voice? Oh, yes, you bet. Back in, uh, in when we started doing it, it wasn't my own voice. Because when I did Luke Gray on SmackOut, the show that preceded uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, mm -hmm. see, we did a lot of other voices on that show. We did 12 voices, uh -huh. uh, Marion and I. She did more than I did. But I did about five or six voices, and, and in order to get them in, one trick that you could use would be the pitch of the voice uh -huh. to differentiate. Uh -huh. So I had McGee way up in here in those days. I see. And, and then I'd put the other voices down low, you see. That'd be... That'd well, then I wasn't too far was, wrong when I said... That <laughs> was that your real voice? It wasn't when you started, and it is no. now. She did a funny character, too, on, on the old Smackout program. Was it, I think it was Smackout. Uh, was it Mrs. Wearybottom? No. Well, yes, she did Mrs. Wearybottom. I'm surprised you could say that on, on radio in those days. That's right. That's kind of strange. That's, um, the NBC censors were probably yeah. standing there shuddering. That's right. We did, some, we did a lot of things that we wondered why they let us do. <laughs> well, they had, to, they had to let you go because you were successful, and they don't, they don't want to monkey around with success, I well, guess. Well, but the other acts would get mad because we'd do these things, and nothing would be said about it, and, and they'd do them, and they'd, they'd, get, they'd try to do them, and they'd get stopped. But there was something about it that people wouldn't take offense at the same thing. For instance, McGee, one time we went to a fair, and uh, they had a horse, a horse race. All the farmers brought horses. And McGee won. And he, the, the guy that had the horse didn't have any money, so he gave him the horse. Mm -hmm. And he took the horse. And they're walking down the road, and Molly is just disgusted with this silly routine. What's he going to do with a horse? He's leading it down the road, and he's acquired this horse. 
and you hear the footsteps on radio. You hear the horses, you mm-hmm. hear the horse footsteps, and you hear McGee's steps and Molly's steps. <clears throat> no dialogue, the dial- no dialogue for quite a while, just this sound. And finally, Molly says, McGee? He said, yeah, he said, stop a minute. And then the footsteps stopped, and she says, stand there by the horse. And uh, he said, here? And she said, no, no, back a little bit. Here? And she said, no, back a little further. Back a little further. And he got way back. And he says, here? She says, yes. My, what a remarkable resemblance. <laughs> I've got another uh, clip from, uh, the, uh, from one of the shows. This is the opening with Harlow. Harlow, was, Harlow Wilcox was with you uh, uh, for most of the years yes, you were on the air, too. Yes, most of the years, yes. And uh, I think he was, at that time, probably the most popular announcer in radio. I think so. And you brought him He was great. He he came from Chicago, didn't he? Yes, he he came from Chicago. This opening includes Harlow Wilcox and Alice, Shirley Mitchell. Oh, yes. And it ends with the famous closet bit. So here's a great excerpt from Fibber McGee and Molly. Anytime you pass 79 Wistful Vista and hear the windows rattling slightly and a low, nasty murmur coming out under the door you'll know the squire has received his monthly bank statement. And here he is, rapidly losing his equilibrium while trying to find his balance, while his wife does her best to drown him out. As we meet, Fibber McGee and Molly. Dirty, double-crossing, pocket-picking book jugglers. You know what that Fourth National Bank done to me this month, Molly? I can't imagine, dearie. They figured my balance exactly the same as I figured it. Now I don't know where I am. <laughs> I got nothing to go on. I have a notion to... Hey! Hey, can't you do that a little quieter, Molly? I'm sorry, dearie. I'm trying very hard to concentrate on this statement, and that noise is very distracting. Very. Well, if your figures agree with the banks, what is there to concentrate on? Aha, uh-huh, that's just the point. Anytime they agree with me, they gotta be wrong. <laughs> they know darn well that I... Hey, what are you doing with my wood-burning outfit? <laughs> is that what this is? Why, certainly that's what this is. Don't you remember that spool rack I made for you with all the design I burned onto it with that? You said that was the prettiest spool rack with that particular design onto it you ever saw. Oh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as I was cleaning out the hall closet, I merely thought I'd put things away. Now, I'll be very careful with stuff like my wood-burning outfit. One of these days, that fat will come back and... You're what? I'm cleaning out the hall closet. Mrs. Carstairs is coming for tea this afternoon. I don't want her to wind up under an avalanche of moose heads, mandolins, and fish poles. (laughs) Hey, now, wait a minute, kiddo. If anybody's going to clean out that closet, it'll be me. I got a lot of valuable stuff in there. (laughs) By the way, what'd you do with my stamp collection? Heavenly days, did you have a stamp collection in there? Did I have a stamp collection in there, she said. She said that. Didn't you see a little celluloid envelope with a three-cent stamp in it that the cancellation was upside down onto it? You had a collection of one three-cent stamp? Well, it was the nucleum of a collection. <laughs> guy's got to start someplace. You better let me clean out that closet, Molly. Well, frankly, I don't think Carstairs coming to tea is a very good reason for it. Do you want her to think you married a bad housekeeper? What that old gooseberry thinks is frantically unimportant to me, Mommy. <laughs> well, I, 
I don't want her to think now that... Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Hello, Alice. Hi, kid. Now, don't get in the way here now. Creepers, are you cleaning out that closet? May I watch? Sure, but don't touch things, Alice. I got a lot of personal valuables in there. I don't want mauled around, like this stuff here. Mm. McGee, if that's what's been making this closet smell like a cider mill, throw it out. <laughs> what? Throw out my old chemistry set? <laughs> I went clear through high school with this stuff. Gee, did you really, Mr. McGee? Yeah. Yes, and I remember the day he did it, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went clear through the high school and through the roof of the laundry a block away. <laughs> you know his eyebrows haven't grown quite back yet. <laughs> Look at him, Alice. I See? wish I could remember the formula I was working on that day. <laughs> Seems to me I was on the track of a new kind of high-powered gasoline. <laughs> I was going to call it Ethel in honor of my chemistry teacher, Ethel Fadich. But they've been making Ethel gasoline for years and years, Mr. McGee. What? They have? Sure. Well, by George, if I had the dough, I'd fight for my rights all through the juvenile court. <laughs> juvenile court? Well, sure, I was just a kid when I invented it. <laughs> I think chemistry is wonderful, Mr. McGee. My cousin is a chemist, and he's just patented a new kind of glue that simply won't stick to anything. <laughs> Why, Alice, what good is a glue that won't stick? Well, he says it will teach people not to break things in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's simple stuff like that that makes fortunes for some people. I stumbled onto a freezing compound one day that kept a bottle of water cold for two days. What'd you call it, dearie? Ice. Creepers I've been using it for years And I never knew who thought it up Yeah, and you know he never got a nickel from Sonia Henny for it either Well, I got an idea I'm going to work on one of these days That'll put us all on Easy Street And I'm not going to breathe it to a soul Except a few close friends uh, What is it, Mr. McGee? Well, I... Shut the door, Molly Okay Thanks After what happened with that ethyl gasoline deal I'm kind of suspicious you know what they feed silkworms on to make them make silk? <laughs> Certainly. Mulberry leaves. Ever think what might happen if you fed them on leaves from a rubber plant? Jeepers! Girdles! Exactly. <laughs> now, not a word of this to anybody, see? The nylon people would shoot me down like a dog if it ever got out. <laughs> but that's for the future. Right now, i got to straighten out this closet. One side... Another funny bit from Fibber McGee and Molly. You were such a such an important personality and popular character that on January 31st, 1941, they made you the mayor of Encino. Now, that's something like uh, better than 30 years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I have a recording of that. So here's Harlow Wilcox introducing that evening when you became mayor of Encino. Encino is a beautiful home community where many movie and radio personalities have their ranches and country estates. And here tonight at Grace Hayes Lodge in San Fernando Valley, a star-studded crowd is attending the inauguration of their new president of the Encino Chamber of Commerce, Fibber McGee. I want you to know that I'm deeply appreciative of the honor you've conferred upon me tonight, and I promise you that I will work hard and sincerely to justify your faith in me 
and I will do everything I can to continue the program that Encino has been making. And now, if you don't mind, I'd, uh, I'd just like to say that uh, we have so many wires here that we can't take time to read all of them. I wish we had that much time, but I, we want to thank everyone who sent us a wire. I don't know what to say in response to all this, except that it uh, makes me very happy because being president of the Chamber of Commerce here is the realization of my lifelong ambition to be finally a big business typhoon. McGee. Yes, Mom? Uh, what was that you just said? I said, at last I'm realizing my ambition to be a big business typhoon. You mean tycoon, dearie? I do not. Tycoon was a ball player with Detroit. <laughs> that was Tycoon. Well, then what's a typhoon? Well, it's something you catch. My what? sister had typhoon once and all her hair fell out. That's typhoid. Come to think of it, a typhoon is a big wind, something like a Toronto. Oh, <laughs> I see. Being president of the Chamber of Commerce means that you're just a big win, huh? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was just joking, really, dearie. I'm very proud of you tonight. Especially when I think back and remember how much you have had to go through to get where you are and all, oh, you know. Oh, shucks, Molly. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy couldn't have done. Yes. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, Fibber was just a lad, he ran away from the farm back in Illinois so he could go into show business. Remember? Yeah. Huh? And he worked hard and struggled so as he could save enough money to buy a farm here in Encino. <laughs> Say, I never thought of that. You? Sure. Yeah. And the funny part of it is the one you ran away from had 200 acres, huh? whilst the one you finally bought has two and a half. Well, I'm no fool. Did you ever try to hold 200 acres? <laughs> No, and neither did you. Well, be that as it may or may not be or not. The Ladies and gentlemen, the next pair of Encino residents that I'd like to introduce are two young codgers that are known in every corner of the land where a radio wave has penetrated. I'm speaking of the Damon and Pythias of the air, Lum and Abner. What is it we're supposed to do now, Lum? What is it? We're supposed to say something nice about Fibber McGee. Fibber McGee? Why? Well, he's just been elected president of the Chamber of Commerce of Encino. Well, that don't sound right. Where, where is that Ceno business they keep talking about, Mom? Ceno? Yeah, that's uh, Ceno you hear about. Encino. Well, you wouldn't say, ah, then Pine Ridge, Mom. <laughs> he was elected president of the Chamber of Commerce of Encino. Well, that don't sound right. You wouldn't say, ah, then Pine Ridge or in in Pine Ridge, Mom. In Encino, then. Where is Ceno? That's what I want to know. Don't worry about that. What we're supposed to do is say something nice about it. Well, have you got anything wrote? No. No, I'm going to say something nice about him if I have to stand here all night. <laughs> well, we ain't got long on the air, Lom. We're holding up things here, though. Well, look, uh, we'll go over here and study a while. Huh? Make up something. So oh. and get them to call on us later. Yeah. Uh, Fibber, mm -hmm. we're going over here and study. Oh. You can call on us later. I think we'll have to, something to say, maybe. Okay, Lum. <laughs> Lum and Abner, ladies and gentlemen. Now, it really gives me a lot of pleasure to introduce to you one of the wittiest and most popular stars of radio and motion pictures. That dandy, dapper, debonair dealer in Dentifrice Delight, or the peerless, peppy, palpitating promoter with the Pepsodent personality, Bob Hope. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very happy to be here. Who would ever think I'd be doing a benefit for Fibber McGee? <laughs> but I think this is a very dignified affair, Fibber McGee becoming a new president of the Encino Chamber of Commerce. I think that's thrilling. Of course, it's just a coincidence that the floor in the post office there needs waxing. <laughs> but Encino is a very pretty place. You can't miss it. As you drive out Ventura Boulevard from Hollywood, you come to a place where the road widens, and that's it. You can't miss it. There's a beautiful sign at the city limits that says you are now about to pass through Encino. P.S. You, you passed it. <laughs> but personally, I don't mix in politics. The other day, they were picking a mayor for North Hollywood. And when the candidates were mentioned, there was plenty of talk about Bob Hope, but nobody would listen to me. But I, uh... How are we going? But I want to... But I don't want to talk too much about North Hollywood, because after all, this is a banquet honoring Fibber McGee, the new president of the Encino Chamber of Commerce. And I know he'll make a perfect president of the Chamber of Commerce, because after all, what does the president of the Chamber of Commerce have to do? He just sits around and makes speeches and eats dinners, and when it comes to reading the weather report, brother... What better president could a Chamber of Commerce have than a guy named Fibber? Thank you very, very much. But he's a grand guy. Good luck, Fibber. Yeah. That's a nice tribute, president of the Chamber of Commerce. That was a little noisy, but you've got to take into consideration that was over 30 years ago. That's right. And it's held up... Uh, held that was up a day. noisy place that night. Jim, you, uh, uh, you recently underwent open-heart surgery at the University of Alabama. That's right. And, uh, in Birmingham. Uh, uh, maybe that's perhaps why earlier in the program you said you're glad to be anywhere. <laughs> Well, that's, that's true. But uh, I had a wonderful thing happen there, by the way, Frank. Uh, there was a school teacher, a teacher of the sixth grade, told her she found out that I was in the hospital there, and she sent her pupils home from school to ask their mothers and fathers, their parents, to tell them anything that they knew about Fibber McGee and Molly. And then uh, to come back the next day and and they would make some cards. And the, these children came back the next day, and it was amazing the things that they knew from their parents about Fibber McGee and Molly. And each child had its own, his own idea of something funny or picked up something that McGee had said, and they made these uh, get-well cards. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the artwork on them was, was astounding. It just bowled you over. And these kids worked for hours on these things, and it just thrilled me to death. Yeah. I was looking at them the other day. That is a nice tribute. You know, there's a couple of things in the English language that uh, are, are said today because of your show. I still hear people say, taint funny, McGee. Yes, that's right. And these are people that don't know where the, where the expression well, originated. That's right. That's right. Taint funny, McGee. Well, you've had a long and, and good career, and we'd like to have, I'd like to have you back on my program at least once every uh, week and a half. <laughs> And, and play some of the great Fibber McGee and Molly shows. Well, I hope I can come back sometime. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed hearing the old bits myself of some of those I hadn't, naturally hadn't heard them for a long time. Jim Jordan, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our salute to Jim Jordan, Fibber McGee. This is Frank Brizzi in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.